For years, I just dreaded going to the dentist. But at Advanced Dentistry, I don't have to. First and foremost, they want you to feel comfortable when you walk in. Like, you'll feel it. Whereas in the past, I might have gone into the dentist and thinking, I might feel some pain at some point. But with IV sedation, it can be something that you don't dread. If you've been avoiding the dentist because of fear, worry, or just not wanting to be judged, you're not alone. Visit NoFearDentist.com to learn how IV sedation can change your life. Ready for an amazing deal? BreezeLine's fiber-powered internet starting at $19.99 per month offers the reliability you deserve and security you can trust. Whether you're streaming, gaming, or working from home, we've got all your needs covered with speeds up to 1 gig and our two-year price lock guarantee. This deal gets even better with two free months of internet, free equipment, and free Wi-Fi your way to protect against cyber threats. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires July 8, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. Hi, I'm Anna Marie Cox, and welcome to With Friends Like These. This week, I am talking to comedian Sophie Santos. We're going to talk about her new memoir, which is surprisingly long for someone in their 20s, but she has a lot to cover. It's called The One You Want to Marry and Other Identities I've Had. The title comes from the reputation of the sorority she joined at the University of Alabama. They were the ones guys wanted to marry. But Sophie didn't get the MRS degree she was pursuing at the time. Today, she's a queer feminist writer and performer, which is still marriage material, sure, but she probably doesn't wear high heels as often. Her journey from the sorority to the stage was not linear, and she was never fake. She just didn't get a handle on herself for a while. As an army brat, Sophie spent her childhood moving a lot, and she experimented with who she was and who she thought she should be. Sophie is white, Hispanic, Asian, and gay. She was also a tackle football player, a beauty queen, a theater kid, and a cam girl. And more. But today, she's herself. I thought it'd be fitting to talk to her about her journey since National Coming Out Day is on Monday. And we'll get to all of that in just a moment. But first, election season is just around the corner and Vote Save America has created a fund that I want you to know about. This time last year, our Get Mitch Fund raised over $35 million for Senate candidates right before Election Day. How much more could organizers do with that money a year out? Your contribution today will help fund early organizing and lay the foundation for candidates to win next year. That's why we're aiming to reach $600,000, or $100,000 for each of the six key states, by the end of October. Can you chip in today and help us get there? Head to votesave.us slash donate now. Again, that's votesave.us slash donate. And now, Sophie Santos. Sophie. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. So this book is kind of a tour of your identities over the years, I would say. Yeah, I would say. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to run through the ones I remember off the top of my head. Uh, You played tackle football. You were were a tomboy. Mm -hmm. Uh, You were a cam girl. You were a pageant queen. We should also say I was a a cam girl when I was... 13 and but we'll explain why yes okay we'll add that okay, okay. cam girl when you were 13 not recently a cam girl no. but 13 year old cam yes. girl 
pageant queen, theater kid, sorority sister. Yes. And baby dyke. I think that's that's a lot of them. Did I miss any? And now in comedian. And now in New York. Oh, well, yeah. Well, New York, okay. LA yeah, comedian. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I'm wondering, have you found a through line through all of those? <laughs> I don't know why I think that's so funny. That was the first thing I thought about. It's like, they're all Sophie. So what's what's Sophie about? Them? I just laugh because you sound like my editor. And it's like, what's the through line? And it's like, that's a great <laughs> question. Um, I think someone who is... Someone who is really... Likes to go against the grain... Um, and also someone who is, um, slightly competitive, (laughs) um, Mm. and also just someone who is, uh, willing to put themselves out there and put themselves in, um, you know, I think some would say uncomfortable situations. I feel like playing football is, is an uncomfortable situation because literally you're, avoiding getting tackled um <laughs> being in heels is uncomfortable but being on stage like that i think some if you if you're not someone who loves to be on stage that would be you know out of the comfort zone i'm thinking of that it's a kind of cliche but that's that meme or that photo of like you know the circle right and then mm-hmm. and then there's like the arrow and it's like this is where your comfort zone is and it's like pointing outside right. it was on an episode of girls you know um <laughs> I can't tell you what episode, but um, but for girls fans, that's where I'm pulling this from. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, again, being on stage as a theater person and then um, also being a comedian. I mean, I feel like that's really scary for a lot of people who don't do it. One of the things I hear in that a little bit is all of them are performances. Mm. Mm. Yes, yes. Now, that's not to say they're not real. No. Right. But an interesting um, pattern in these identities is that you kind of study up for them. Like, you prepare for them in some ways. Like, you do research. Like, I'm thinking of the Baby Dyke one in particular. But I feel like even with the sorority sisters, there was a handbook you know right uh, and there was for the uh pageant girl as well like you prep for them yeah <laughs> yeah you're just like well of course i did i mean yeah yeah of course i did i'm type a you know i used to prep for when i first started taking improv classes as an, a comedian i was like prepping for them and i was like wait okay this is the whole point is to not is to just go with the top of your intelligence and to not prepare. I mean, there's definitely structure to it, but also like it's literally you putting yourself out there and not preparing. So that actually was the first time that I was like truly able to let go. Um, But yeah, but they are all performances um, to an extent. And I I like that you brought up though that it's not that they weren't real because that was actually something that um, I was discussing with one of my editors. One of my editors was like, did she really like? Did she really like like being a sorority girl? And my other editor, my other editor was like, yes. And I was like, yeah, no. I was fully, com- I was fully committing to it because a of the culture that I was in, b it was like 
again, that was just, it, I was, I always had that sink or swim mentality because of moving around so much as a military kid. Um, and there was no other option, you know, you either, again, you either sink or you swim. So this was me swimming again. Um, and you know, when you're just like, they, they, and they kind of promise you the world, you know, they promise mm-hmm. you that they're going to get you in like the top honor societies on campus. And when you're 18, that sounds really fucking cool. And yeah. And so, you know, and, and so that was, that's all there. And in addition to that, because I had moved around so much, um, I was really tired of just like having to start over and start over and start over. And so basically being given the handbook of like, if you do X, Y, and Z, which it wasn't X, Y, and Z, it was like A through Z. (laughs) (laughs) And then some footnotes. And then some footnotes. (laughs) And then like three times it was like, yeah, it's a, it's a, what are the encyclopedia Britannica? (laughs) Um, Then you're, you'll, you'll succeed. You'll be able to fit in and you'll, you'll be fine. And I was so tired of just trying to fit in all the time and like using just my own knowledge that I was like, okay, yeah, I'm done doing this and let's just, let's go, baby. I'm ready. (laughs) Put me in the heels in the stands as I put me in a dress and heels while I'm at a football game. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the the sorority sister um, chapter of your life is where the book title comes from. And it might be somewhat the most interesting for a, a lot of people who are, don't know you except as a comedian, right? Uh, it is the most unexpected, perhaps. But you were just talking about the handbook part of it, and I think some people might think that's that's off-putting. But you know, I moved every two years. Oh, growing up, really? Yeah. Uh, both of my parents were military brats, and they just had it in their blood, I guess. Yeah. Just. <laughs> And my dad also was an academic or is an academic and was chasing tenure all the time. But I would have fucking loved a handbook. Yeah. You know, like when I was growing up in in elementary, middle school, high school, I sometimes actually imagined that there was a handbook that other people got, you know, Yeah. on the first day of school that I just somehow missed. So yeah, they, pa- they passed it out right before for- you walked. Into yeah, class. yeah, right. Exactly. And so the idea of getting a handbook of how to behave like that sounds like a relief to me. It was it was such a relief. It is. And like when I, you know, when I did ultimately move to Alabama when I was 12 and I had moved around so many times, you know, I say 12 times. I don't know. I think the number in the book is like seven or eight, but still, it's still a lot, you know, once every year, or every two years, I was like really like itching to move again once we were settled in Alabama and we, and when we didn't, I felt really uncomfortable. Um, and even now I'm like, I'm really happy that I have a career where I can be like between New York and LA. And then, you know, if I, when I start to tour as a comedian, like, I think that's going to satisfy that for me, but it is such a thing that's like so ingrained in you. And you're just like, yeah, I'm ready to go. I'm, you know, I'm in the circus and I'm ready to pack it up and get in the clown car and let's go, you know? Well, there's a freedom to it, right? Sure, yeah. I mean, people who don't move around a lot may just see, like, the trauma of it. And I think there is trauma associated with it. Wait, really? But (laughs) I only actually only recently kind of figured out that all those moves probably were not good for me. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, same, same. (laughs) Because I did as a kid, I guess, you know, maybe you've... 
have to look on the bright side, right? Um, which is that you do get to start over with a blank state, which is helpful with all these different identities, right? Like you get to be someone new. And did you feel like maybe, because you write also in the book about how you're you're kind of a naive person. Yes. A little bit oblivious. Yes. And I, I'm going to try to connect these two things. Do you feel like you didn't know who you were all these times? I, I, I feel like you know who you are now. That's definitely the impression I get from the book. But in going through all this stuff, starting over again, and again, I was seduced by just the blank slate part of it, you know? Like, I don't know if I thought about who I was, but what about you? Well, to answer your question about, well, you didn't, it wasn't a question, but you're saying that I was naive. <laughs> you were saying that I was naive. I just want everyone to know that I, Sophie Santos, I'm going on the record, believed in Santa Claus until I was 13 years old. I wasn't going to bring it up. So. It's okay. It's okay. in the book. It's the first thing people <laughs> read. It's literally the first page of the book. Um, so if that gives you any impression. Yes. There we go. Um mm-hmm. But as far as like knowing who I was, um, there was a part of me that knew who I was. And if anything, I knew who I was more when I was seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, than when I hit puberty. That's when I lost myself completely. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted. Uh, my fashion style has changed tremendously because when I was like seven through 12, I was wearing exclusively cargo shorts, closed toed Birkenstocks with tube socks, button up Hawaiian shirts. I'd slick back my hair and I, well, I would put my hair, part my hair, excuse me, in the middle like a butt crack and then slick it back with water and then put it in the tightest ponytail that a category five hurricane could not break that thing loose, baby. And there's something. I don't want to call myself charming because that's horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> you can call yourself no, charming. No, 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 no. Well, if you said it. Um, but no, I. but there is something like to me rolling up every year at a new school dressed like that with that much confidence that I, I look back and I'm like, you go, girl. You did that. You literally dress like a cartoon character and took pride in it. And you dress like, you know, if we're talking about gender stereotypes, especially because now we're talking about, you know, early 2000s, you know, like, and that was me, I think, being, you know, an authentic version of myself, you know? And so I knew that. I knew that I loved sort of like boy culture. I knew that I loved being on stage Um, you know, I would do talent shows and, um, was always in performing arts. Those are things that stuck with me. But as far as like, really just like knowing, like, you know, going on the journey of just like, okay, you know, who is Sophie Santos? Who does she like to associate herself with as far as friends, as far as, you know, the sort of energy that she does give out? Right. You know, Mm -hmm. which I feel like we give out to the wrong people when we don't know who we are or we stick. We tend to stick into groups that are maybe toxic for us, even as kids, when we don't know who we are and trying to fit in that way and trying to fit into the sort of social strata that I did not know. And then it only got crazier, of course, when we moved to Alabama and then I hit puberty and then like sent my 
uniform off on an Icelandic send-off <laughs> with a bow and arrow <laughs> down the, uh, uh, yeah you there was a, a transformation yeah um yeah let's let's talk more concretely a bit about the the gender and sexuality portion of identity here yeah uh because like you said you felt really at home and authentic in the cargo shorts mm-hmm. and hawaiian shirt and then you start a journey of kind of femininity stereotypes almost right yeah like i don't want to say stereotype because you were different you were a little bit different in all these different things like you had a personality and like i think you were ironic about some of them Mm -hmm. but uh you you sent off your cargo shorts with icelandic funeral yeah i was always Mm -hmm. a little bit of a ball buster and i was always a little bit of an asshole so like that's that r.i.p r.i.p cargo shorts but then you went full-on glam (laughs) right yeah well what i thought was glam what I thought was sure. glam, glam with my whatever t-shirt. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and and it seems like that was almost a, that was a conscious choice, right? Yeah. And you, that was a few years then after that of like cam girl, I'm going to call that kind of performing femininity a little bit. Pageant queen, sorority sister. Um, but you, those were conscious choices. They were conscious choices. So what's happening is it really is as simple as I hit puberty and I just, which to me, I had always feared because, and it made me really sad. And I talk about it in the book because I was so comfortable being this, you know, I guess at the time, maybe non, non non-binary child, you know, um, really feeling like in my bo- bones that I was like a boy or at least felt like that's what I connected to the most. And so I mourned puberty because I knew that it would take over. And I think it was cut from the book because it was way too deep of a cut. But I, I think of it as that movie Baby Geniuses. I don't know if anyone remembers the iconic movie Baby Geniuses. <laughs> Um, where the babies are like, I think they're on a mission and they take, they like save the world. But then once they become toddlers, they forget everything that's ever happened. And so one of them cross, you see one of them finally cross over and they no longer remember, you know, what it was like before. And so I was like so scared. I was like, I don't want it to take hold of me. I don't want to lose this, this part of myself. And it, and I, and I had hoped also that puberty would turn me into a boy and that I would stand on my two, you know, one day I would be like, you know, my legs would grow so long and I would like basically be, you know, the size of a b- basketball player and I'd accidentally hit my head on the, on my light and you know what I mean? And so all these things were happening. So then when I did hit puberty, the literal opposite happened and there was so much, I guess, estrogen now coursing through my veins that I literally was like forgot well I crossed over right I guess if we're going down if we're we're being like we're talking about metaphors in that sense and so then it wasn't even I I guess yeah it was a conscious choice but it was also just like that's how I felt I was like okay I'm girly I I I I want to really you know it's almost like the inner girly part in my body was just like, I've been waiting for you. And she fully came out <laughs> and took over. 
And now I was like, you know, wanting to be a part of the Mean Girls Club and really committed to that. With Friends Like These is brought to you by Girlfriend Collective. If you're tired of wearing the same black yoga pants over and over again, you may want to add some other options to your rotation. It's time for an active wear refresh. Change things up without letting go of your favorites with Girlfriend Collective. Girlfriend Collective is sustainable, ethically made activewear for everyone. They make cute and comfortable bras, leggings, shorts, tanks, tees, and more. Their sizing is inclusive, ranging from extra, extra small to 6XL. Whether you're working out, running errands, or doing nothing at all, Girlfriend Collective has the functional fabrics, colors, and styles for any activity. Their best-selling leggings are squat-proof, come with pockets, and have different levels of support, whether you need compression or softness. Join the collective today, feel good about what you buy and comfortable in what you wear. For listeners to this show, Girlfriend Collective is offering $25 off your purchase of $100 or more when you go to girlfriend.com slash friends. That's $25 off $100 or more when you go to girlfriend.com slash friends, girlfriend.com slash friends. With Friends Like These is brought to you by Seed. Did you know that probiotics are a serious science? That kombucha, kimchi, and other fermented foods you're eating, though nutritious and delicious, don't qualify as probiotic according to science. To be most effective, a probiotic must survive the trip to your gut. Seeds via cap delivery technology is engineered to survive stomach acid, bile salts, and other enzymes to ensure 100% delivery to the colon. Now, seed is a vitamin-y thing. It's, it's prebiotics and probiotics. The packaging doesn't look like that. The packaging makes it look like a high-end beauty product that you'd be happy to have on your bathroom shelf, though it's really more related to other things we do in the bathroom besides our makeup. Not all probiotics are created equal. What is the daily symbiotic? Well, it's a broad spectrum with probiotics and prebiotics. It's a unique formulation of 24 distinct probiotic strains in scientifically studied dosages, and the systemic benefits are beyond the gut. Seed has a proprietary two-in-one capsule that protects probiotics going through digestion to ensure delivery to the colon. What does the daily symbiotic do for you? It supports benefits in and beyond the gut, including your GI functions, skin health, heart health, gut immune function, gut barrier integrity, and micronutrient synthesis of vitamins B9 and B12. Gut immune function is not the same as boosting the immune system. It is about supporting the crosstalk between your intestinal cells and your immune cells. Many people taking seed see improvements in digestion within 24 to 48 hours, which can include bowel movement regularity and ease bloating. This is my experience as well. Start a new healthy habit today. Visit seed.com slash friends and use code friends to redeem 20% off your first month's supply of Seed's Daily Symbiotic. That's seed.com slash friends and use code friends for 20% off your first month of Seed's Daily Symbiotic. With Friends Like These is brought to you by BetterHelp. What interferes with your happiness? Does it change every week? It can for me. There are new annoyances every week. Uh, right now, Texas can't decide uh, what season it is to the extent that Texas has seasons. Uh, it's cold in the morning and then up to 90 at night. And that seems like a minor thing to complain about, but it's new and I hate change. BetterHelp 
will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can connect in a safe and private online environment, making it so convenient you can begin communicating in under 24 hours. It's not self-help, it's professional counseling. Send a message to your counselor anytime and you'll get a prompt and thoughtful response. You also can schedule weekly phone or video sessions, all without ever having to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. The service is available for clients worldwide, and it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, though financial aid is also available. There is a broad range of expertise that you may not be able to get locally. Licensed professional counselors specialize in depression, anger, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, or trauma. Anything you share is confidential. You can check out the testimonials posted daily to their site. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp, they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. I want you to start living a better life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com friends. Join over 1 million people who've taken charge of their mental health. That's betterhelp, betterhelp.com slash friends. Legend has it, underneath the NJM Insurance offices lies a room of rejected mascot memorabilia. Is it real? No one knows. But we do know NJM is proud to put policyholders first. No jingles or mascots, just great insurance. NJM. McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburglar. Today's review, the hotter, juicier, classic burgers. Mr. Hamburglar. Rubble, rubble. He said, of all the McDonald's burgers I've ever hamburgled, these are the hottest, juiciest, and tastiest. Brabble. Hurry in and enjoy one of our 350 bundles, like a daily double and small fries, for a limited time. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any of the offer comparison of prior classic burgers. And you know, I, I, just to speak from my own kind of experience of puberty and, and crossing over, because I do think you forget a lot about yourself sometimes um, in that it, it is easier if you're, you know, identified by the outside world as a girl. That's where, that's where your handbook is. Right. Right. Like, that's where you're going to go. If you are anywhere in the middle, like, what, you're just going to be like, I don't have a handbook for the one people don't think I am. Correct. So I have kind of this, like, cultural handbook that's been driven into me mm-hmm. for the girl one. So I completely understand. That's just, like, again, I just, give me some instructions. Tell me how I can get an A. If I can get an A in this. 100%. Then maybe. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to. That's how I live my life. I was always trying to get the A. Literally in every yeah. aspect of my life. And that is something that's a through line too. Like you said, <laughs> a little bit competitive, but I would say that all of these identities from pageant queen to tackle football to baby dyke, you were going for the A. Yeah. You were. And as a cam girl too. <laughs> so let's talk about that because it's, it's, it's an extraordinary section of the book to me. Um, you write so frankly mm-hmm. about uh, coming of age, as they might say in more gauzy conversations, but, you know, straight up whacking off, I would say, is another way to put it, and being just super, super horny. Yeah. And uh, you took matters into your own hands. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, to me, it was really important for me to write down... Um, 
I think some people are putting pointing in a in a positive way, in a positive way, the cringiness, right? The cringeworthiness of the book. Um and like how I I really go there. Um and they're talking about my sexual exploits because we don't talk about we don't talk about what, you know, girls go through when we go through puberty and our own horniness. And the only things that I really had to go off of, and I talk about it in the book, is like American Pie or any sort of just like teenage boy. Any any movie ever that has a teenage boy, there's some sort of joke about them, you know, jerking off to porn. And it's like, I didn't have anything to go off of. And it wasn't talked to... No handbook. There was no handbook. And it wasn't talked about... It wasn't talked about in my house. And I was like... And I, and I, we're still so many steps, we're, we're still not there as a society when we talk about like, you know, female pleasure and like going through puberty as young girls and like actually what that means and not just like, oh, our boobs grow and now we like thongs. (laughs) It's like really like, you know, we're doing the same thing thinking about Paul Dillon in our rooms as 13 year olds as Paul Dillon is doing about us. And I really wanted to write that down. And I thought, and that was such an important part, not only of my story, but I just felt like needed to be included because I never had that. And I wanted other people to be able to have that, even though, you know, yeah, now people know how I masturbated for the first time or, or the, or the, or, or me having a good cam. Yep. Pretty, pretty graphic. (laughs) And I will say I'm slightly older than you are, maybe a lot older. Uh, and I still have some discomfort around this, but I, I feel emboldened by your writing. So you've, you've, if you've touched one person, maybe I shouldn't use that metaphor. Um, and I have some questions about this section. (laughs) Yeah, no, ask me away. I mean, I mean, that's, this is why we're here. We're here to talk about it. Um, are you blushing? A remote control. I am. Yeah. I am blushing. Okay. All right. Well, here we are. A remote control, Sophie? I Again, I had no idea what to do. And I just knew that downstairs, which I call my tootie, yes. which was just something that I had called, you know, as a young child, I had called my vagina tootie, you know. Yes, tootie has a mind of her own. It's really less your vagina than I think the other parts but yes right 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 I should know exactly as a as a lesbian I should know what (laughs) I know what was talking to you and it wasn't the the inner space it was was the 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 hungry it was the hunger it was the hungry part we'll call it that and so I call her Tootie and she's she's a personified um in the book um and really wants to be scratched um and she has an itch and wants to be scratched and and I just um yeah and so again because I hadn't seen anything I was like and I and my cousin at the time was basically said you know try a remote and so I'm not thinking you know oh I should rub up against the remote which makes sense right that makes sense I'm thinking (laughs) I I I would be completely baffled yeah just honestly like cow charm I get right, it. <laughs> right. Which I didn't again, didn't understand. Wasn't there yet, and so, but the remote control. Anyway, so she says the remote control is your friend, and then that was really all I got out of her. And so then I just like inserted it, and I was like, well, this isn't this isn't helping, and it also hurts, and this doesn't feel good at all. But did you did you get cable? 
That's the only question. <laughs> yeah, somehow it turned on Seinfeld, and I was just watching Seinfeld for the next 10 hours. Um, uh, yeah, so <laughs> that's the power. But that leads, but so the confusion here leads to the cam girl, actually. Right. right. Like, that's... Well, after well, after removing said remote, I yeah, did okay, realize yes, that, I realized that oh, whatever was pulsing just needed to be ha, need to have it needed to have attention drawn to it. So then I yes. I I joke and I I I rode Lammy, who is my who is not even was is still my comfort animal to this day. I've had since I was a baby, and I rode her to Wyoming until you know I saw you know. The mountains um <laughs> and you know so then i mean we do we all work it out somehow most of yes us, right? yes and and lammy came to your rescue and she came to my rescue and she 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 did one for the team but the but the cam girl but, but i was gonna say but what would happen with the but it, there's a connection here with the cam girl part for me because you were just kind of like trying to figure this out yeah like how do i get off yeah exactly basically. and i was like so horny and you know when i would talk when I would hear my friends at school talk about, well, they wouldn't really be talking about horniness. They would just, when I would just like kind of want to, you know, broach, broach the subject, I could tell that this was not a conversation I could be having because, you know, girls doing anything to themselves for pleasure is is gross or slutty or anything like that. So I just knew that I wasn't able to confide in them, but I knew that I was so horny. I was like, well, what can I do? And I just, um, via Skype... In my room, I started um, what we call DMing now, but just messaging, messaging boys from across town, and we'd get on video on grainy webcams and the webcams that like the Logitech webcams that are like plugged in, and um, it was strictly P for V, uh, <laughs> and you know they would take off you know their clothes and I would take off my clothes and we would you know we we would, I guess, have virtual sex together and then log <laughs> off. And then I, I would, I do it over and over again. And, uh, until it was like, I felt really, I felt so empowered. You felt empowered. By yeah, this. I did. It, while it was happening, I felt, like, and after it was happening, like did that, did that power come from being able, I can't believe I'm, I'm going down this road, but, um, but I am curious because I think this is a blank space in our culture. You're right. Um, but did that power come from being able to get yourself off? Did it come from having these guys kind of need you or want you? Where were you? Why'd you feel like Molly? I felt, I mean, it's both. Like I was able to get what I wanted, but also like it was clearly consensual. Um, and also um, it felt really cool to be like, I'm really horny without saying, you know, without saying that I had to be like, you know, coy about it. And then to have, you know, all these boys be equally as horny and be like wanting to participate that I felt like I was like, oh, my God, like I'm like a, I'm like a star over here. I'm I'm able to like get off and they enjoy it and they like they're coming to me and I have all these boys coming to me like it felt empowering, obviously, until the shoe dropped. I was going to say no, nothing. Nothing good can last. Um <laughs> I did, even when I was reading this, I did think, gosh, you know, Sophie, having the guys be just across town, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's, that's, that's enough distance. And sure enough. And sure enough, I moved to the school that I was yeah, playing, playing <laughs> webcam sex with, with the boys. Um, and it, 
you know, it wasn't even that. It was just like it was starting to get around town anyway because I was like, I wasn't just doing it with just kids from the high school that I ultimately went to, but I was doing it with boys that went to school just in the county and, you know. And you're having a blast. I'm a, I mean. I'm having the like, best time. Liter- having a great literally, time. Literally, I guess, you know. And, and that, that we have to, well, you know, got to shut that down. Like, you know, we can't handle that as a society. A girl out there having a blast coming over and over and over <laughs> like by herself that's that is bad but and yeah so and ruining the boys the is, boys of the county yeah ruining i ruining i i, I ruined those boys yeah you single-handedly so you, you wind you wind up yes people find out mm-hmm. yeah people find out yeah so people find out at the new school and i really want to go to this new school because they had an amazing musical theater program <laughs> but and i also like academically the other school that I was at was just not with it and um so I go to this new school and then I start to see the boys that I had been seeing on the internet and like I knew that they went there but it was different from being like in via grainy webcam to like actually seeing them in the flesh and then realizing that some of these had some of these boys had girlfriends or just even not, but just like seeing them in the hallways. And I was just like, Oh my God. And obviously like, as it was, as that was like the first thing I was just so paranoid that people knew because I just didn't want to be shamed and I could feel the shame creeping in. And then like the meanest of the, like the bully of the school, like came up to me and was just like, people are talking about you that you do stuff. And you know, and then the word slut was thrown around and it was horrifying. And I, you know, I remember like, I wouldn't even walk past the student section at a football game Mm. because I was so scared everyone would be looking at me and being like, there's that girl who's like the slut that's doing all those slutty things, you know, on camera, you know, the new girl, you know, there's nothing worse than being a new girl, but then also like having a scarlet letter, right? And, um, yeah, it was really hard. It was really hard. And I, I, I felt my power completely, you know, disintegrate. I read that section with some horror, you know. Which part? And a lot of empathy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the getting found out. Right, um, yeah. Because it, it seems like it's like the plot of a you know, emo teen movie. I believe literally it might be the plot of something. Uh, could be or could be soon. Yeah. And, Hollywood. But you got over it or or you got through it. I did get through it. And I, I eventually like, well, again, it was the sink or swim mentality and I didn't have a choice. And I started associating yeah. myself with like, you know, I found friends and, you know, and eventually the after my sophomore year, I became really good friends with the people who, with the girls who were friends with those boys. And it kind of just went away. And also like, I never confirmed it. So, Mm. you know, it was just like, it was, you know, did it happen? Did it not? No, who's to say? I say now. (laughs) (laughs) You cultivated an air of mystery. Yeah, exactly. And then I was like, once I became really good friends with the girl who was like the most liked, at school and it was I mean it wasn't just I didn't become friends just because she was the most liked but it was just like we did become really good friends and ultimately she was also probably the love of my life well she was the love of my life at the time I just didn't realize it you know I felt like I had some extra armor um and I was protected 
I want to take a quick break and then come back and, and talk about the love of your life. With Friends Like These is brought to you by Best Fiends. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you've heard me talk about Best Fiends. In my humble but also correct opinion, it is the best match three style game by far. The rest are kind of the same game with different color schemes and characters. So stop crushing the same candy and try a puzzle game with something fresh to offer. With Best Fiends, you play through an actual storyline complete with good guys, the fiends, and the not so good guys, the slugs. Your fiends start out as wee baby versions of their future selves. The more you play, the more fiends join your team and the more powerful they become, helping you solve increasingly challenging puzzles as you progress through the game. It's an action-packed adventure and a brain-boosting puzzle game all rolled into one with new content added all the time. You will never get bored. Best Fiends has literally thousands of levels. You will not be able to finish them ever, ever. There's always a fresh challenge waiting for me when I need a mental pick-me-up. Download Best Fiends for free today on the App Store or at Google Play. That's Best Fiends, friends without the R, at the App Store or Google Play. With Friends Like These is brought to you by Joybird. Now, you have probably had a pretty terrible couple of years, like we all have. In my terrible year, though, I bought a house. And making this house mine is the best thing that's happened to me in, I don't know, a decade. It is something that gives me joy. It's just walking into a space that is completely mine, completely personalized. I chose every little bit of furniture, every decoration, every book on the shelf, every flower in the vase. Your home should show off what makes you, you. And Joybird's selection of customizable furniture and modern home decor lets you bring your unique style into your space. Joybird offers modern, customizable furniture for every space available in a variety of vibrant, durable fabric options. And Joybird's semi-annual sale is here. I have a Joybird armchair, and what I will say about that is it's timeless, but also cool, and it's gone with just about every decor I've ever tried. It's also very, very durable. And that's what's interesting about a piece of furniture that you love and you choose. It's always going to go with everything else that you love. Ordering furniture online has never been easier or more fun. Choose from over 18,000 customizable options or browse curated collections to find the perfect fit for your one-of-a-kind style. Book a virtual showroom appointment to chat with a showroom stylist from the comfort of your own home. If you are unsure where to start, Joybird's design specialists are standing by to make your vision a reality for free. With Joybird's protection plan, your upholstery and leather pieces will always look as good as new without having to treat them as though they're in a museum. Joybird is committed to creating quality furniture and a more sustainable future. Each piece is made with incredible care using responsibly sourced materials free of harmful chemicals. Through partnerships with groups like One Tree Planted, Joybird is helping conserve and restore Earth's most precious natural resources. Quality craftsmanship, stain and scratch resistant fabrics, a limited lifetime warranty. Joybird can handle anything your family throws at it. Literally. Joybird stands by its quality and craftsmanship. If it's not everything you hoped for, send it back. Create a space that brings you joy with Joybird. Visit joybird.com friends and get 30% off your purchase. That's 30% off at joybird.com friends. We want to tell you about a show that we think our listeners will really enjoy. 
Before you judge it by the name, which is not safe for work, give it a listen because you won't be disappointed. The show is Uneffing the Republic, or UnFTR for short. It's a smart, funny, and really well produced show that the New York Times called one of the top podcasts to listen to in the post Trump era. UnFTR offers a thorough analysis of socioeconomic and political issues with an appropriate level of profanity given the subject matter. They cover everything from the economics of racism and mass incarceration to indigenous rights and climate change. Oh, and they hate, I mean really hate, Milton Friedman. We also love that UnFTR is not only listener-supported through memberships, but it's also funded through a unique partnership with a native coffee roasting company in an effort to support indigenous economic development. Visit unftr.com or search UnFTR on your podcast app. You can also sign up for the UnFing the Republic newsletter for free at unftr.substack.com. So check out UnFing the Republic at unftr.com. Save big money on protecting your garden. Now at Menards. Messina's Animal Stopper is a liquid repellent that prevents pesky animals from damaging your garden. Available in a convenient, ready-to-use bottle. It lasts for up to 30 days, regardless of weather and watering. Save big money on Messina's Animal Stopper at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals happening now. Save big money at On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. I want to switch gears just a little bit, although I guess it's still about identities and change. But um, you mentioned this girl in high school, love of your life, and you eventually come out as a lesbian. Yes. It takes a little while. (laughs) And that's fine. It's all fine. We all go on our own journeys. Mm -hmm. No shade on that, right? But it's particularly interesting to me because your resistance isn't religious or political, at all like it's just resistance like you just just didn't want to say i don't know explain it to me because you you have you literally start making out with girls and and say actually not just making out you go down on a girl and then first thing out of your mouth afterwards (laughs) is i'm not gay yeah right Yes, that's exactly what happened. Um, I will say, I will say for just the sake for them, they are, uh, they do go by they, them now. Um, and they are, um, they are trans. Um, and shout out to Gabe because Gabe and I are still friends, by the way. You went down on a person. Yes. (laughs) And immediately afterwards. And immediately afterwards. Wiping your mouth. I shouted, I'm not gay and ran away. (laughs) And we were in a gravel parking lot. Um, in a fraternity's gravel parking yeah. lot. So, Which I thought we were very... You know how to put on a show. So <laughs> you know how to put on a show. I will say that yeah, for you. Should have sold tickets. <laughs> Listen, I... Um, I No, I, I... Well, I thought we were far. I thought we were like down the street. I didn't realize we were in front of that fraternity yeah. house. Um, but like your mom was an ally. Like you, you were sort of very, you know, positive, like LGBTQ positive as a kid even 
Yeah. But there's something there's something there. Yeah, well I think it's because I didn't re- I never again it comes down to representation and I mean, I can't just blame it just on representation, right? But this is why representation... No blame. It's not blame. It's just a story. It, but this is why representation is so important. Is because, like, I thought every lesbian looked like Ellen. Like, honestly. Or looked like my mom's friends who, you know, beautiful human beings. Um, I think they... But they would identify as bull dykes, you know? And so I really thought that that's what a lesbian looked like. And so... Um, and also when I went through puberty and didn't make the connection that like oh these close friendships with with my with my girl girl space friends are you know more than just close friendships you know um these like really intense feelings that i'm having are 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 more so crushes because i didn't make that, that i didn't recognize that then when i finally was in my early 20s and um i met someone who um, made me feel the way that I had felt going through puberty. So I call it my lesbian puberty, puberty 2.0. Um, it literally was an awakening. And it was like all of these things that I had, you know, clearly had been building towards, you know, the, the gates finally opened. And I was like, uh, I was terrified. Cause I thought, I, I just genuinely thought I was like, when you, I would have figured out I was gay, if I knew I was gay, I would have figured it out when I was 13. That's what I thought happened. I didn't realize that it's not necessarily linear. Um, and that it can happen later in life. And I, and even to, and now that I'm, you know, older than my early twenties, um, I will say that's still not even that old, you know? So yeah, I was so confused to me it speaks to how powerful the cultural messages are right around femininity around sexuality because it it, you can be a you know well-meaning liberal person but still those cultural messages are going to bind up what you think your options are yeah yeah and it wasn't in our it really wasn't in our society to there was no again no handbook on this is what happens when you realize that you're you know when you realize you might be a queer kid um and god bless my parents i mean they obviously they were so supportive when they outed me i I didn't come out to my parents they both outed me (laughs) later on but I think they wanted me to figure out my own journey and I didn't think they wanted to, you know, to tell me what I was and they, you know, wanted me to figure it out. Um, so, and I also think it was weirdly the universe probably helping me <laughs> because I think probably coming out in Alabama, especially in a town called Arab, spelled Arab, pronounced Arab, yeah, you 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 might have there might have been some self protective stuff going on there. Too. Yeah, for that, sure. I think that's for wise. sure. Yes, that's very wise. Um, yeah, let's talk just a little about your parents because so your mom was a Southern Belle, basically, right? Uh, mom was a Southern Belle, and, yes. And your dad was a Filipino career army guy. Yeah, Filipino Spanish. Um, 
lieutenant colonel a ranger is that right tanker ranger yeah he, he's gonna really appreciate Very impressive appreciate Hoorah. there you go and we really he's gonna uh, really appreciate that you said this by the way uh my dad uh did ranger parachute school wasn't a ranger but an army jump yeah yeah jumped out jumped out of perfectly good airplanes as they say yeah um yes that is what they say <laughs> <laughs> that is what they say yep uh and we, it's an identity we haven't talked about is the filipino uh, part mm-hmm. and i found your writing about that kind of interesting because you were in arab right mm-hmm. and what you write about is just feeling like the other, mm-hmm. just kind of ambiguously the other. Yeah. Do you think that had impact on your other sort of identities? I don't know if they had had an impact on it, but I think like it definitely was just another thing that I had to deal with, you know? Um, when I actually recognized I was an other though was when I was still in Kansas City and I was taking an SAT test and... I uh, had to, or it's not the SAT, obviously, because I was in like sixth grade, but it's like the PSAT and they're just getting you ready for, you know, to take standardized tests for the rest of your life. And um, I was, you know, had to fill out the census survey. And mind you, I was like such a uh, a kiss ass to this one teacher because I also like was so in love with her, Miss Rast, shout out wherever you are. Um. And so I would constantly go up and ask her questions and like, you know, she knew that I was just trying to get attention. So this was a conflicted situation because like she's, I'm, I'm raising my hand to ask a question, you know, about like, how should I fill out the census survey? And she's sort of, she thinks that I'm just, again, just trying to get her attention. But really I was actually confused because it was telling me like, when you look at the bubbles, it was like Hispanic, not white, white, not Hispanic, which I was both. And we're talking like 2000 and ugh, I don't know, early 2000 census surveys. And obviously they've changed a little bit, but like not by much. Cause I still see Hispanic, not white, white, not Hispanic. And <laughs> I just was like, didn't know what to do. And I didn't know what to put. And I also like once I finally like suffered through it and figured it out and like 15 minutes have gone by and like everyone is already taking the test and now I'm like behind taking the test and freaking out. Um, I then realize once I start the test that I completely forgot the Asian Pacific Islander part. And I was like, Oh my God, I joke in the book. I'm like, I forgot about Peepaw, which was what we called my grandfather, which by the way is not a Filipino thing. That's just, <laughs> it's not a Filipino thing to call your your grandfather Peepaw. I thought it was a Filipino Filipino thing, and my Filipino like friends will like you know will or my you know people like people that are people of color that are I'm friends with will be just roast me for that because I genuinely thought that's what you called your Filipino grandfather, and they're like, no, that's the whitest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I was like, okay. But anyway, basically back to the census survey. Yeah, that's that's when I first discovered that something was off and uh, and not necessarily off, but, you know, I was an other. So and there is another box, which I did start eventually just checking just to be (laughs) sane. (laughs) 
It is kind of a tragically beautiful metaphor that it that we have an other box, you know, like there's just other, you know, other. Uh, it's just you, you figure it out. Other. Yeah, literally. <laughs> so. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you, kid. Figure it out. Literally. Uh, your dad was in the military. Um, and uh, he seems to inst- have uh, been... I would say somewhat preoccupied with preparedness, like being prepared for bad things to happen. Is that safe to say? That is like, that's, that's safe to say, but like, that's not even (laughs) close. Uh, we'd say neurotic. We'd say paranoid. We'd say, Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Like he's the kind of guy who has a go bag packed all the time. Is that? Yeah. Go bag at the ready. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and he did he. You write about that in your childhood is definitely being a part of like you've thought about that um, as a kid. And I'm curious if that continues to be something that that you think about in your life. Well, I definitely think my sort of paranoia stemmed from that at least because like he used to send me anti-terrorism PowerPoint manuals, you know that he would receive. And so that way, like I was always ready just in case there was a terrorist attack, like, and he'd send it, especially when we went on vacations, but like, and I still have (laughs) the anti-terrorism PowerPoint training manual, which is like a hundred pages. And he literally emailed me and said, make sure to go over all of this. There are quizzes in the back before we leave. And I was like, (laughs) you know, but he was serious. A hundred percent serious. Yeah. I want to just be real careful to not draw like a direct line between that and your own OCD. It seems like it it gave you a specific thing to worry about, if nothing else, like it, it at least to begin with. And, and it seems clear that your anxiety, like all of our anxiety, grows and blossoms and becomes its own thing. Yeah, especially but, when you're not working through it. Yeah, I I yeah. didn't, so I wasn't scared at the time. I was just like, especially because when he would send those things, I think by that time I was like, uh, you know, late teens and I was just like, whatever, dad, you know, and making fun of him for it. But yeah, when I, when my OCD peaked um, and my anxiety peaked, um, I, because I was like in the middle of a tornado that destroyed my university, that destroyed like a lot of the uh, the University of Alabama, where I was at the time. That was like my first, almost like near death experience, and um, and then everything just sort of everything collapsed in my brain. And then I was scared to just go to a local pizza joint because I would think that some sort of terrorist would blow it up or I would be scared to be even go to sleep in my house because I'm like, there's going to be a sinkhole or a plane's going to fall out of the sky and all of these irrational fears. And I don't blame my dad at all for the, the manuals. And I don't think they actually go hand in hand, but I will say like, you know, I did start to believe that those things could happen and, you know, until I got help. Yeah, I, I want to be real clear. I don't think there's a direct line at all. Uh, I think sometimes it's just those things that we pick up on in childhood give our, you know, neuroses and various mental disorders, like something to grab on. A hundred percent. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I also, if anything, I like had wished I was could find the the manual in in my email <laughs> that I couldn't find at the time. Um, so I would know what to do. But honestly, I think that would have made me even more like I, it would have made me believe uh, and nosedive into something that was was wasn't real, right? Like obviously things happen in life, but you know they are irrational fears. Um, and did but this bottoming out uh in terms of those mental health diagnoses you wound up getting some help yeah i did get help i was a went to an outpatient facility where i was in therapy eight hours a day and i had a van come and pick me up and this was right after i was like i had just finished my sophomore year at alabama so and i had like literally a month before i was like out with my friends drinking you know doing doing the thing and then you know the tornado hit and the tornado hit my brain basically. (laughs) Um, And so I was like, no longer felt like I could drive. I thought like I would somehow jerk the wheel off the road or a semi would come and hit me. And so they were, I was now like in a van being taken to this facility, being dropped off and then being dropped back off at home every single day for two weeks for eight hours a day. And um, at first I was really against it because I was like, I'm normal. I'm normal. Like what? Like it's fine. And you know, um but thank God for both my parents who were like you know, recognized. And especially my mom because she was around me and and as a nurse, she knew that I wasn't in a healthy mental state and um and it was the best thing that happened to me. Let's fast forward. Uh Who are you now? What's the identity you have today? Oh, the identity that I have today is... uh, Well, definitely queer and a lesbian. And I like to say that because I feel like a lot of times there's this whole horrible narrative that being queer, being a lesbian is a phase. And I went through so many phases and that's why I label the third phase as this is the phase that isn't a phase. So I do like to throw that out there because, you know, we need to start recognizing that and we are as a society, but, um, you know, we're not for men's pleasure. This is not about you men. I'm not even sorry to say it's just not about you. Um, and so, you know, I'm queer and I'm a lesbian and I feel very confident about that. Is this the time where I say, and I'm a... <laughs> I'm a wife and I'm a mother and I'm a son and I'm a daughter. Oh, I, you know, I, well, we're not in a pageant yet. So uh, Which none of we those, don't have to do that. It, none it, of those are real. You mentioned that your parents outed you. What was it like to tell them that you'd figured it out? Like you had two conversations with your parents, both of which uh, they were like, why don't you have, I think it was kind of, why don't you have a girlfriend, if I recall correctly? Um. But what happened when you finally were like, okay, this is me? Like not the time where they outed me and I was like scared? You can talk about that if you want, but I'm, I'm both maybe. Like it is interesting to me that they both, I think, asked you really, I mean, like any parent would out of concern for your happiness. They did. I mean, my mom asking me was just in her truest fashion because she's just such a crass Southern belle you know, unfiltered person. And so we were driving down the road and I had been like, watch, we had, we were living together at the time. And, um, I was, 
I had been holding myself up in my room watching the L word and telling her about it because I was like, you know, she was my roommate and I was like, I'm just I'm watching the show, but I would just kept going back and in and out. And then and to the point where then I just stopped coming out of my room except to, to eat and to go to the restroom, um, for weeks. Um, and, and then class, um, and she, we were driving down the road and she just like turned down the music and was like, honey, when are you going to stop diddling yourself to the L word and get yourself a real woman? And I was humiliated. Um, but uh, I just said, uh, I'm working on it. Fair, fair answer. Fair. And, and, and then we, st- and then we, and then I, I didn't bring it up again. And I, I was like horrified. So, yeah. So that's how she outed me. Oh, no. My dad actually was, no, my dad was after. My dad was actually after. Um, because at this point, I had a girlfriend. I had my first um, girlfriend and my, and my college girlfriend, which I think for a lot of people, you know, unless you're high school sweethearts, that's like a pretty significant first relationship. And I had, uh, I was eating with him at a restaurant. I was just on a break from a rehearsal and he took me out to lunch and he was just asking me really, you know, simple questions, which I always chalk it up. It's like, especially with dads, they don't really know what's actually going on in your life. So they just ask you the most basic questions possible to the point where they're asking you about friends that you haven't been friends with for 10 years. You know what I mean? Um, and then finally he was like, so kiddo, uh, you got a, you got a boyfriend? And I was like, no, as I was like stuffing a chimichanga in my mouth, like trying not to choke and then he's like uh, okay and then it was like dead silence of course because he also was very a very silent individual um and he goes well you have a girlfriend and i lied and said no and and then eventually was like well i guess this is you if he's asking this is your chance santos and I piped up and I was like, no, actually, yeah, I have a girlfriend, you know, very squeaky, very squeaky voice, very much like, you know, yeah, just stuttering all over the place. And he goes, well, you know, you always had good female relationships, which was a big mind blowing moment because it's like he had recognized all these years and yet I'm now being told <laughs> this <laughs> fascinating thing about my life would you say the implication of going through these different identities and again emphasize they're all real you're not faking it do you feel more yourself today oh my god yeah i feel completely myself i'm like so i'm just finally so just like well as my mom said uh, which is which is in the epilogue um, that I used to be so frenzied and it's nice to see me so calm. And I know that people who are friends with me, they're like, this bitch, she's not that calm, you know, because I'm type A and I'm always, you know, really, I'm, you know, but I think those are two different things as far as like being type A trying to get shit done versus just being calm and light as a person and trying to just really be, you know, centered and trying to be a present, trying to be present and things like that. And, and, and I do feel like, 
you know, I mean, obviously I know that I'm going to keep growing, but I'm really trying to grow into the direction of, 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 you know, building on this, this, this foundation that I've been building on this identity that I've been building on for like five, six years. And, you know, and I, a lot of that, I have to think to my queerness because I think like, and I think a lot of queer people can relate. Obviously I don't want to speak for the whole community, but when you finally are like, when you're finally able to accept being gay and letting that be a part of your identity, because it's not my whole identity at all, it's almost like you're finally free and you can really just be, you can just be. And that to me was like taking the shackles off in my brain and just, I was like, oh my God, here I go. And, you know, and now as a person, as a comedian, like centering my comedy around my queerness, you know, feeling empowered to, to sort of like, you know, especially being a TV writer, like having queerness be a major part of, of my writing and, um, and, uh, and not, and, and just like, you know, in my lifestyle and, you know, in dating and stuff like that, like, yeah, I've just, you know, I'm in a place that. It took me a long time to get here, but I'm I'm so happy. I can't think of a better way to end the conversation. Although I would I would love to talk further. I would love to talk further too, but Sophie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm actually I'm very honored. This has been really cool and hopefully we can chat again. I loved talking to Sophie Santos about how she's landed at the beautiful place she is in her life. Again, her book is called The One You Want to Marry and Other Identities I've Had. And a reminder, Monday, October 11th is National Coming Out Day. It's the 34th year in a row that this day has been celebrated to raise awareness and support for the LGBTQ plus community. This show is a product of Crooked Media. Andy Gardner-Bernstein is our producer. Patrick Antonetti is our audio editor. And please, take care of yourselves. For years, I just dreaded going to the dentist. But at Advanced Dentistry, I don't have to. First and foremost, they want you to feel comfortable when you walk in, like you'll feel it. Whereas in the past, I might have gone into the dentist and thinking, I might feel some pain at some point. But with IV sedation, it can be something that you don't dread. If you've been avoiding the dentist because of fear, worry, or just not wanting to be judged, you're not alone. Visit NoFearDentist.com to learn how IV sedation can change your life. Welcome back to our studio where we have a special guest with us today, Toucan Sam from Fruit Loops. Toucan Sam, welcome. It's my pleasure to be here. Oh, and um, it's Fruit Loops, just so you know. Uh, fruit? Fruit. Yeah, fruit. No, it's Fruit Loops. The same way you say studio. That's not how we say it. Fruit Loops, find the loopy side. <laughs>